Rethink Retail, the evolution of retail in today's connected world. Welcome to the Rethink Retail Show, your source for the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. Join host Paul Lewis, CMO at Valtech, a global digital agency focused on strategy and transformation in retail, as he explores the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. This episode of Rethink Retail, sponsored by Valtech, where experiences are engineered. Welcome to the show. Today's guest is Daniel Burris. He is considered one of the world's leading technology forecasters and innovation experts. Over the past 30 years, he has established a worldwide reputation for his exceptional record of accurately predicting the future of technological change and its direct impact on the business world. He's also the author of seven books and has delivered over 2,800 keynote speeches and serves as a strategic advisor to executives from Fortune 500 companies. Dan, welcome to the show today. Hey, it's a pleasure to be with you. You know, I uh, have enjoyed reading your latest book, and uh, there's a number of things that have come up that I wanted to ask you about. You know, today, so many companies are trying to become agile, which I think is clearly important. But in your latest book, The Anticipatory Organization, one of the insights you cover is that agility is a reactive strategy. And with the pace of change accelerating exponentially, it's also imperative to become anticipatory. Can you elaborate a little bit on the difference between the two and, and why you're so passionate about helping leaders become anticipatory? Yeah, thank you. Well, I think I'm very passionate about uh, getting people to be anticipatory because as you said, the world is not slowing down. The pace of business and everything else is actually speeding up, and it's driven by the exponential changes and growth in uh, technology capabilities, which has been going on for some time, but as you know, in an exponential curve, two before becomes four becomes eight, things start out slow and then all of a sudden rapidly accelerate. Well, we're in the rapid acceleration phase now that is creating all of the business transformations today. So if you look at agility and being anticipatory, I would like our listeners to think of it as two sides to a strategic coin. In other words, you need both. Um, agility is the ideal strategy for unpredictable change because you can't predict everything. Uh, also, it's, it's gives you the ability to react quickly after a change occurs, to solve problems quickly after they occur. And it provides an advantage over slower competitors. And a lot of people are moving way too slow. On the other hand, being anticipatory is the ideal strategy to turn change into opportunity. Because what I'm going to show you in this interview is how you can predict accurately the disruptions that are coming before they disrupt. How you can predict problems before you have them so you can pre-solve them. Um, so in that, with that context... Uh, you can identify and act on change before it occurs. You can identify and solve problems before they occur. And you can jump ahead of the competition with low risk because you know what's going to happen before it happens. So you have unpredictable change. Well, you better be agile. And then you have an amazing amount of predictable change and disruption. And that's where that other side comes in being anticipatory. One other thing on agility I want to point out to all of our listeners. I was just uh, speaking to the top 50 CIOs uh, in, uh, in the world. 
and all of them have over a billion dollar IT budget. So these are uh, the, the biggest companies and the uh, CIO of that company. And in that CIO meeting of the top 50, I asked for a show of hands. I said, how many of you already have an agile organization? And they all put their hands up. And I said, well, that's good. Uh, I don't see a lot of competitive advantage since you're all raising your hand, but I'm glad you're all keeping up. Now, the point is, I like keeping up to some degree, but there's no advantage in keeping up. What I want to do is be able to jump ahead, especially if there's a way to do it with lower risk. And that's where that other side of the coin comes in. So uh, every year, as change accelerates, uh, just having an agile approach gives you less benefit as each year unfolds. That makes perfect sense. But, you know, I think one of the questions that come up is, well, how do you predict what is going to happen? How do you accurately predict? And one of the things that you talk about in becoming anticipatory is applying, you know, a hard trend methodology. What's your distinction between hard and soft trends, and why is that important to the listeners? Well, it's actually, it's one of the core concepts of this anticipatory business model uh, that I've uh, developed over the decades. And I didn't say over the years, I said over the decades. I've been, uh, this anticipatory organization is my seventh, seventh book. I've written thousands of articles. I've had a newsletter that's been going on for 35 years. And I've had a track record of being right about where things are going. Now, let me give you one of my secrets. And that is, I leave out the parts I can be wrong about. In other words, uh, there's a lot you can't predict. Okay, well, then leave that part out. But what's amazing is how much you can when you know where to look and how to look. And even though I've started uh, six companies over the years, and I think you know uh, from my earlier conversation, five were profitable in the first year, four were national leaders in the first year. Obviously, these concepts work. I've used them myself. I don't just write books and do consulting. Uh, the, uh, this is teachable. I started out teaching biology and physics. So in reality, I'm a teacher at heart. So in this interview and in my books and in my speeches, I really don't want to tell. I want to teach. So with that in mind, let's turn this right now into a good learning session for everyone that's listening and help you to see why separating trends into hard and soft is so important. You see, there's no shortage of trends. Matter of fact, it's easy to predict when you're going to get the new lists right around January 1st. Everybody publishes their new list of trends. And, you know, so there's no shortage of them. What's the problem? Well, it isn't the quantity. The problem is the quality. Which ones are going to happen and which ones aren't? So what I've done is I've come up with a very accurate system. And I say accurate. Heck, the Pentagon is now using this for all their planning. So, you know, it's been embraced by not only big companies, but you know, one of the very important in a large organization. And that is, there are actually two types of trends. And all trends fit into one of these two categories. I call them hard and soft. A hard trend is based on a future fact. It will happen. Uh, now, and you can't change it. Whether you're Google or uh, Apple, uh, seemingly with all the money in the world, or even, you know, a, a military giant like the United States and the Pentagon, you cannot change a hard trend. The good news is you can see it coming before it happens, giving you the ability to see disruptions before they disrupt. 
allowing you to have a choice to be either the disruptor or the disrupted. Key here is actually you got a choice. You just didn't know it before, but you will before we're done in this podcast. And uh, the other type of trend is a soft trend. And it's not based on future facts. It's based on a future assumption. It's based on assumptions about the future. Now, the problem we've got is a lot of companies think those assumptions are facts. Uh, matter of fact, that's why Agile is so big. Uh, that is the assumption most people make is, well, you can't predict the future. That's impossible. Nobody can predict the future, especially with moving so fast. And I would say, well, let's see what happens after spring. And of course, you already know that's summer followed by fall. And can an astronomer accurately predict in the year 2040, January, exactly when we'll have a full moon? And the answer is, oh yeah, they can nail that one. And will stocks go down if they're going down? Will they go down forever? No, they're going to go back up again. And by the way, they're going to go back down. That's called cycles. There's over 300 known cycles, business cycles, weather cycles, biological cycles, and even sales cycles that allow you to see the future. Most, all of us listening to this, we use cycles all the time. We just don't even realize it. And here's an insight, and that is economists use cyclical change to predict the future. But if you noticed in the last several years, the economists have been increasingly wrong about the future and have been very shocked and surprised. And why is that? And that is because there's another kind of change they have no training in. But if you're listening carefully today, you're going to learn about it. Because unlike cyclical change, this one is linear in that it's one way slash exponential, meaning it's growing at an exponential rate. So once you get a smartphone, you're not going back to a dumb phone. That's not a cycle. That's a one way exponential curve. Once people in China park their bicycle and get a car, they're not going back to the bike. Once people in India get refrigeration for their home or for that matter, a smartphone, you know, they're not going back. These are permanent changes that are going in a linear slash exponential direction. They're not a cycle, and they give you amazing predictability for future problems as well as opportunities. So there's kind of a, uh, so the premise is, since you can't predict the future, we're going to base all of our strategies on being agile because it's all unpredictable. And again, the premise is thought of as a fact, but it's really uh, an assumption. One other thing about soft trends before we go any further, and that is I like both hard trends and soft trends. Again, hard trends lets you see what's going to happen before it happens. Uh, and soft trends, what do they give you? They let you see the things that you can change. So let me give you some examples so that we can pull this into reality for all of our listeners. Let's talk about healthcare costs in the United States. Oh, well, healthcare costs have been going up for a long, long time. That trend line is going up quite rapidly. And it's thought of by most people that, well, that's, that's a future fact. Everything's going to get more expensive. That's why healthcare reform so far has been centered around healthcare payment. How do you pay for that big mess as it gets worse? But in reality, the increasing cost of healthcare is not a hard trend future fact. It's actually based on an assumption. It can be changed. For example, we could use blockchain technology right now uh, to transform the healthcare ecosystem, which right now is 
not very secure. It's based on no transparency at all. That's why when you're in the hospital, you don't know that an aspirin might cost you 20 bucks. If you knew that, you would you'd ask your wife or your husband to bring it. Uh, in other words, it, it's no transparency, not the security that we would like. And of course, uh, prices are going crazy because we don't even know what the prices are. Well, with blockchain, what could you do? You could bring increased security, transparency, which would also give you trust, and you could flush billions of dollars of waste out of the healthcare network. By the way, there's a company that uh, just started that's got $100 million in startup money to do a blockchain for healthcare, so it's already beginning. One other quick example, you could use virtualization in the cloud to transform purchasing and logistics within hospitals. Uh, that would flush billions of dollars, not millions, billions with a B, of dollars of waste out of the system. My point is, if we assume it's a fact, we don't try to change it, we just try to deal with it. Uh, but the reality is, man, that's an assumption. So how many assumptions does your organization have? And you're thinking they're a future fact, but in reality, you could change it. So I like soft trends and I like hard trends. If I don't like a soft trend, I can change it. If I see a hard trend, I can know what's going to happen before it occurs and take advantage from it. Got it. No, that makes sense. Are there examples, when you think of anticipatory organizations, are there companies that come to mind that are doing something different today to accelerate innovation and drive new experiences? Absolutely. Uh, first of all, let's, uh, let's talk about some very big companies that have had difficulty. Uh, why? Because they were great at execution. And you know, Paul, a lot of people think it's all about execution. Uh, just like a lot of people think it's all about agility. And what I would say is, well, actually, Research in Motion, that's the company for BlackBerry, they were really good at execution. And by the way, they were really good at being agile. Didn't help. So was Blockbuster. Actually, so was HP. So was Dell. So was Sony. Um, and many other companies that have been struggling trying to move quickly as change accelerated. In other words, you know what? They're, if the biggest are struggling, the smallest are going to as well. So let's just talk about agile companies. Do you think Amazon is a fast reactor reacting to change or and disruption? Or do you think Amazon is an anticipatory company that sees where the future is going before others, by the way, using hard trends, and then innovates around that with low risk because they know if they don't do it, someone else will. In other words, is Bezos reactionary or anticipatory? And I know you already know the answer, Paul. They're a poster child for an anticipatory organization. Yeah, so let's absolutely. Take a couple of other examples. Well, absolutely. They're not fast reactors. They're not, uh, Agile doesn't help them out at all. All of their competitors that are struggling are trying to be Agile. And frankly, finding it difficult to get it to work. So let's talk about uh, another one. How about the people that wanted to come up with the idea, the innovators around, how about Airbnb? Or how about uh, the people that came up with the multi-billion dollar idea for Uber? Uh, were they using uh, agility and execution? No, they were anticipatory. They could see the direction things were going and again, develop solutions around where the future was headed with certainty. And I just brought up a very important word, 
certainty. Let's take just a second to talk about that. We live in an amazingly uncertain world. What's going to happen with the stock market? What's going to happen with uh, uh, you know the all of the things that are going on with North Korea? What's going to happen with Greece? Do they have their act together? What's going to happen with Europe and the and the Union? Is that breaking apart? Uncertainty does not empower you. And if you think of it in strategic terms, strategy based on uncertainty has high risk. On the other hand, in an uncertain world, I've got to ask myself, am I certain of anything? And as I've already said in this interview, I can be certain of a lot. Just like after 4G wireless comes 5G. And by the way, is that it? Or could you predict what will be next? And the answer is sure. It's going to be six followed by seven. And do we know how powerful six and seven will be? Yeah. Matter of fact, if you go back, I've been doing this for 35 years. When we were at 1G, it was easy to predict two, three, four, five, six, and say exactly what year they would come out and how much more powerful they would be. It's following a predictable exponential curve, <clears throat> getting closer and closer and faster and faster because it's exponential as every year unfolds. So instead of being blindsided by these things like 4G, 5G, or is the cloud getting full, or are we going to be putting more in the cloud? And you already know the answer. We're putting more in the cloud. That's not a here-today-gone-tomorrow trend. That's a hard trend that will continue to grow, just like mobility, just like AI. Is AI going to go away? No. That's a hard trend, getting better every year. So if we understand, again, the forces that are shaping the future, you can do quite well with it, and uh, and that includes of course, the world of retail. Um, and we can get more into retail through our uh, discussion of this. But let's uh, one thing I want to mention, because retail does involve marketing and does involve, of course, sales. Let me just stay with certainty just a minute from a selling standpoint. Nothing better than an, a confused, uncertain customer. That uncertainty opens the door to a sale every time. Matter of fact, the more uncertain they are, the better chance you have of selling them even more. On the other hand, what is the ultimate closing tool in a sale? And the answer is certainty. You see, if I'm cert uncertain and you do your best closing job, I'm going to say, well, thank you, and then I'll go look somewhere else. But if you give me a high level of confidence and certainty, I'll write the check. I'll say yes. And for all of us that are leaders listening to this, you're trying to get your people to make bold moves in your organization as you deal with the disruptions and changes that are taking place. And how do you get your people to embrace the new realities and move forward faster? And the answer is not uncertainty. It is certainty. Because when you are certain, you have the confidence to make bold moves. So really what I'm teaching you in the anticipatory organization and what I've been helping organizations do is to understand the science and the power of certainty. That leads me to another th question that I had is you mentioned in the book, your future view will determine your future you. What do you mean by that? And, and how does that apply maybe specifically to retailers? Well, thank you. It is uh, actually when I first started 35 years ago is when I, one of my first uh, concepts that I was teaching. So here's the idea. How you view the future, and I'm talking about you, your employees, your customers, your kids, your family, 
how you view the future to a great extent shapes how you act in the present. For example, right now, people might be buying Apple, getting excited about their next iPhone. Other people are selling Apple. Why? Well, they both have different views of the future of Apple. Some of your customers right now are thinking of leaving. Why? Their future view of staying with you has changed. In other words, how you view the future to a great extent shapes how you act in the present. And by the way, how you act in the present will inevitably shape your future. In other words, your future view will determine the future you. So let's apply this to retail right now. A lot of retailers, I'm talking brick and mortar retailers, right now are looking at the future and they think the good old days of retail are behind them. Their future view looks bleak. And if, they, if you're the CEO of a large retail chain and that's your view, what might you do? Well, you might close over 120 stores. By the way, Sears is doing that right as we speak. And we can guess what that means to the company and what that future will be for those employees. On the other hand, if your future view is, wow, actually, the, the good old days of retail are ahead of us. They just don't look like the days behind us. What might you do? Well, instead of closing stores, you might, well, you might buy Whole Foods. Uh, you might be Amazon, which started virtual books. And what are they doing now? They're actually opening over 100 brick-and-mortar bookstores all over the country. Obviously, they're seeing a little different future for retail than many others. And by the way, there's dozens of e-commerce retailers. They started out in e-commerce whether it's selling sunglasses or whatever else they were selling. And now what are they doing? Like Waverly Parker and so on. You know what they're doing? They're opening up brick and mortar retail all over the country. And by the way, they're doing well because they're not trying to reinvent the past. Instead, they're realizing we need to redefine and reinvent the customer experience. We need to combine e-commerce with brick and mortar in a new combination that is better than either one would be by themselves. So all of a sudden, your future view comes into light. So I would put this question now to those that are listening to this right now. What is your, what are your employees? What are your strategic partners? What are your customers' future view? of your organization, of your future. And by the way, if it looks bleak, you're in trouble because you're going to play that out because the human mind is that powerful. I suggest your future view. Now, here's a big one for everyone. Let's listen. I believe your view of the future is based on a rear view mirror. You're not looking through the windshield. You see, you're looking at everything that you're seeing is based on everything you've experienced in your past and the way things have happened up till now, which by the way, is much slower. Remember, we're doing things today that were impossible just two years ago. It, 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 just think about the Apple's app store. Yesterday, when did the day before we started recording this session was the 10 year anniversary of the first app store, Apple's opening the app store. That was only 10 years ago. And now it seems like that's been around forever. No, it's only been a short 10 years. And we could go back another bunch of surprises to you that would shock you as to how quickly things are redefining and reinventing. That's why, again, I want us to be anticipatory, to start seeing 
how we can redefine and reinvent the customer experience in so many amazing ways that we get people to come into our, our stores. By the way, the stores that are closing, you know what? They're all boring. Take a look at them. When is the last time you went in? You go in them because you have to, not because you want to. And I just said something important. You go in because you have to, not because you want to. But what if we redefine the experience instead of just close the stores and lay all those people off? One other little element I mentioned laying people off that I think is important to address. We live in a technology world. Yes, true. There's a lot of technology, but I want everyone to remember that's listening to this. We live in a human world and it's all, it's all based on relationships. And there are of course, good and bad relationships. Good relationships are based on trust. And how do you get trust? Well, you earn trust, honesty, integrity, delivering on promises. And the brands that have done really well have paid attention to that and have earned the customer's trust. And that's why they have repeat customers. So are there ways that we can use that as a guidepost in shaping the retail experience of the future, which is not just about wowing them with new customer experiences, but it's also about establishing a relationship with them that will spread not only in the store, but online outside the store through their increasingly connected world. Hey, I'm, I'm excited about the future of retail, but that's because I'm looking through the windshield. I'm not looking through the rearview mirror. I think we ought to just change how we look at it. And how do you get that windshield view? Well, start looking at the hard trends that are shaping the future. And all of a sudden, you'll start to see the future very clearly. Let's dwell on that for just a second. Let's have you look through the windshield. What are some of the trends that either currently or soon might be game changers that people in retail, whether they're brands beginning to sell directly or whether they're uh, traditional retailers, what are some of those trends that they should be looking through their windshield and hopefully spotting? Well, you know, first of all, in a brick and mortar retail uh, shop, let's say, you have you don't have infinite inventory and infinite items. All you have is what you have shelf space for. Wait, wait, wait a minute. That's not actually true, is it? No, it isn't. Because if I have flat panel displays, perhaps turned instead of horizontally, vertically, and they're fairly good size, and they could be 4K. Uh, and in those, I have all of the items that I don't have in inventory, or I don't have. I could have almost infinite inventory right there. And uh, so if I don't have that pair of shoes of the size you want, or whatever it is, or that dress that you're looking for, or whatever item it is, you could go over to a flat panel and you could not just have to push buttons. You could talk to it too, if you want to. As a matter of fact, thanks to facial recognition that's coming on strong, uh, you, you could even know, oh, that's one of our repeat customers and uh, bring up the things very quickly that you might be interested in. And you could have it delivered same day or next day, thanks to new delivery services that we're putting into place right now. Matter of fact, in many cases, it could be delivered to my home before I get home from the retail shop that I'm shopping in because we're going that direction too, getting to be able to deliver things that fast. Uh, my, my point is I turn a finite store into an infinite store right on the spot. And I'm just giving a quick example, but that's already happening. <clears throat> or I could, uh, uh, even if I had uh, a, a vending machine, let's face it, 
How about a smart vending machine? Those are already starting to happen. So in a vending machine, when you walk up in front of the vending machine, thanks to a camera, it knows whether you're ethnic, whether you're Hispanic or whether you're white with male, female, knows if you're pregnant, knows if you have some kids next to you, how old the kids are. Uh, it knows if they're wearing a suit, have a tie on. It knows all that just by you walking up in front of the vending machine. And um, it, of course, there's a, only a few things in that vending machine. But on the other hand, there's a screen there. And it could give you offers based on what it knows you're trying to buy in that vending machine as well as what it just learned from just looking at you and knowing far more than you would realize. It can give you offers right there, again, inventory that it doesn't have in the vending machine, and it could have it to you within either 24 hours or even less, um, allowing you to buy far more. You see what I did? I just took a vending machine and made it much bigger, and I'm using a vending machine as an example of a simple static device that all of a sudden has become much bigger. Well, we could go uh, into uh, how about augmented reality. Um, Augmented reality is about to splash in really big. And instead of having to use a phone, actually, you're going to be getting glasses that look like your glasses. Um, but not Google glasses, the glasses you've got now, except you'll be able to overlay data over it. You know, uh, between the glass and the earpiece, there's that little piece that connects the glasses in the front to the ear in the back so that the glasses stays on your head. That's the real stat. In other words, when you move your finger back towards your ear, uh, you've got no data. As you slide it towards your glasses, the glass part of your glasses, all of a sudden you have full data. So somewhere in there you can overlay data. So you can say, I'm in New York right now walking uh, down Fifth Avenue, and I want to buy some Kohan shoes. And I'd really like to take a look at those right now. So I can bring some of that data up and I can just look around and see, oh, there's a store right over there that has Kohan, not just Kohan shoes, but has the size that I'm looking for as well. So I can just walk right over to it. Imagine being in a big store like a Walmart or a Kmart or whatever, and I'm trying to find things and I can just see where they are because, you know, it's, sometimes it's hard to get a customer service person when you need them. Well, you, you can do it that way. I'm just giving a couple of very small, quick examples of how tools both just about to come out that are emerging and will, these are hard trends, or some things that are already there today are redefining retail in the experience. And of course, there's far more that is uh, coming out. Matter of fact, if anybody is interested in finding out more about that, I'll just uh, let you know, you can go to my website, Burris, B-U-R-R-U-S dot com. And I have a technology trends list that will give you um, the all of these hard trends that are shaping the future and can be used for retail and you can I'm not selling it to you I'm giving you something right now you can go there and just download it and take a look at it and that'll uh, give you some good food for thought awesome yeah that's a lot to take in right now in fact as I, I think of our listeners and the rapid transformation in the retail industry that they're facing What's your advice on what do companies need to do to start, you know, keeping up and start to become anticipatory? Well, there's a couple of things. <clears throat> First of all, we got to ask ourselves, why didn't a cab driver think of Uber? Why didn't Marriott think of Airbnb? 
And I know exactly why they didn't. They were too busy. They were so busy doing what they've always done, executing the current strategy, that they didn't take the time necessary to redefine and reinvent their entire business and see the new opportunities that are there right before their eyes. What I'm getting at is it starts with realizing today you can busy yourselves right out of business. And everybody that is listening to this right now, regardless of your position, you're all way too busy putting out fires, crisis managing, dealing with the latest issue, or trying to meet the quarterly expectation instead of spending some quality time stepping back, looking at the hard trends, identifying the hard trends that are shaping the future and the related opportunities, and then taking action, picking one and taking action. So I just gave actually a homework assignment to everyone. Let me step back and slow it down and let me restate it for you. What I'd like you to do when you're done with this, first of all, Obviously, I'd love for you to pick up a uh, copy of the Anticipatory Organization. Um, it's already been a number one bestseller on Amazon. I think you'll enjoy it, and uh, and that could help you. But here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to spend one hour a week. By the way, that's doable. It's only one hour. We are talking about your future. It's where you're going to spend the rest of your life. You better think about it. And I'd like you to block it off in your calendar ahead of time, because if you don't, you'll just be putting out another fire crisis managing and never do it. But if you block it out as important, strategic, a strategic imperative time in that hour, instead of looking at all the things you're uncertain about, why don't you do the opposite, which is another principle I teach in the book, because opposites work better. And in this case, What I'd like you to do is to ask yourself, what am I certain about? What are the hard trends that are shaping the future and the related opportunity? Now, and I I just want to point out, never ever look at a trend from now on without a related opportunity to it. Because a trend by itself has no power. It isn't until you define the opportunity for you that the trend represents that it bursts into actionable life. So I just gave you a big one right there. So in that list, look at the hard trends that are shaping the future and the related opportunity, and then refine it in away from the get the could do's out of here, get the should do's out of here. You don't have time for those. And pick one or two must do's and then make them happen. And all of a sudden, you'll realize that trying to keep up is actually a fool's game. What's the advantage of keeping up? You're still keeping up to somebody else who's better than you. I would rather jump ahead, but how do you do that? You do it with hard trends because that allows you to jump ahead with the low risk that certainty provides. And it flips risk. Now the risk is not doing it. What's the cost of not doing it? That actually is the, the, the question you should be asking instead of the cost of doing it, because you're going to see the cost of not jumping ahead before everyone else jumps ahead is going to actually be far bigger than the cost of just doing it and being a low-risk innovator. Right, yeah, I've heard the expression that uh, safe is the new risky. And I, I think that you, you definitely have to be in this game. You have to recognize with this pace of change that you, you need to be making plans for the future. And, and thinking about the future for retailers specifically, 
you know, you mentioned Amazon, which uh, is a little bit of an, an obvious, uh, you know, innovator who is uh, setting the pace. But are there other uh, retail brands that you see are uh, at least making some forays in in the right direction? Sure. Um, first of all, again, take a look at the e-commerce only brands that uh, that have started out as e-commerce only, have done well, and now are opening up uh, chains, brick and mortar chains, all over the country. And you'll you'll get a pretty good list there. And what they're doing is they're again being they're realizing uh, the the future their the future view of brick and mortar has changed and it's changed in a very substantial way and here's the change that I want us to to see what they're doing and what others are not doing when we see disruption happening we as human beings fall into a protect and defend mode. So now what I'd like you to do is ask yourself, what are the retailers that are protecting and defending the way they've always done it and their brand the way it's always been? Um, They're the ones that are struggling and will continue to struggle because protect and defend doesn't work over the long run when you have predictable transformation taking place. Secondly, ask yourself, what are the brands that are not protecting and defending and are instead are, and here's the new one I want to give you, are going to embrace and extend. Embracing the hard trends that are shaping the future and extending their reach. They're the ones that are thriving. So when Bezos is, gets Whole Foods, what's he doing? Well, he's doing what Whole Foods didn't do. Instead of protecting and defending Whole Foods the way it was, he's going in and looking, how can we take that customer experience and redefine it and get rid of all of the sticky points, all the things that are slowing people up, all the people that they, things that people don't like. By the way, what's something that we don't like in a food store? And that is lines. So he's saying, okay, well, let's get rid of lines. Let's use new technology so you can just pick out what you want in the shelf and walk out of the store. And as you walk out, your phone will come up with uh, exactly what you purchased and let you see the prices. And there it is. In other words, uh, that's just one of the innovations he's putting into place. So that the point I'm making is you all out there can look for yourself and see who's on a protect and defend mode, uh, a la Sears and many of the others, and who is in an embrace and extend mode. And all of a sudden, you'll start to see the ones that are being anticipatory because they're going in the direction the future is going. Let me talk about one other thing that uh, around hard trends and soft trends. Let me talk about hard trends just a little more because I know we only have so much time. And again, I'm a teacher at heart. So let me dig a little deeper into that because I've said I want you to spend an hour looking at the hard trends. Let me help you with understanding what those are just a little better. And again, you can find more on the website. And of course, you can learn far more by getting the book. So let's hear that. Here's what I'm getting at. This is not that hard. Uh, hard trends. There's three categories. Aren't you glad I didn't say 30? No, there's only three. And they, they're powerful. One category of hard trends is demographics. For example, in the United States, there's 78 million baby boomers and hard trends. They're going to get older. They're not going to get magically younger. They're going to continue to age. And that represents an amazing number of predictable problems and opportunities. 
And now again, I'm just picking on baby boomers now. We could also look at the, the G- Generation Z or Y or the millennials, but in this case, let's stay with baby boomers. Um, if you've got a retail brick and mortar facility and you know that your main clients are baby boomers, what does that mean? You better have a lot of comfortable chairs. You better have some really nice bathrooms. If your primary customer is Gen Y, Gen Z, you don't need chairs and you don't even need bathrooms. I mean, all of a sudden everything changes. They expect technology in a different way. So you can customize what you do once you realize who's your target customer just by that alone. Not to mention the fact that you can see future innovations that you could put into place that would have the low risk of working. Um, So first of all, so there's demographics. Second category would be, and this will shock people listening right now, government regulations. And that is indeed a hard trend generator. And you might say, well, you surely can't predict the future of regulations. Matter of fact, we've got an administration right now that is deregulating, doesn't even like regulation. And I would say, oh, that's not true. You can predict the future of regulations. You can't predict all regulations. You see, uncertainty doesn't empower me. So I want to look at, so what can I predict? For example, Let's just, I'll just ask you, the listener, and you, Paul, right now, are we going to get more regulations around cybersecurity? You all know the answer is, well, of course, absolutely. Why? Because there's some hard trends at play here. That even if you're a government that doesn't like regulations, you've got to deal with these future realities anyway. Point is, we could spend more of this interview time and go through dozens of regulations that are going to happen right? Because we got hard trends at play. And, um, and so it's amazingly more predictable than you might think. Secondly, we got to think differently about regulations. When we as retailers or any other business, we don't like regulation. So one of the principles I teach is opposites work better. I mentioned that earlier. In this case, instead of looking at all the things you don't like when you get a new regulation, why don't you start looking at the things you like? Because the list of things you won't like is so big, you'll never get to anything that you like. Do the opposite. Start with what you like. And all of a sudden, you'll find amazing opportunities. You know, we all admire Elon Musk uh, for all of the innovation that he's done. But if you look at every single company he's ever started, they're actually based on government regulations. And he has found ways of funding his organizations, every company he started, through regulations. Uh, that works to his advantage. Um, Uh, Let me give you one example. I live in San Diego, and in California, there was a thousand new laws that went into place, which is not unusual for a big state like California in January. Uh, A law that went into place uh, actually almost two years ago now, um, and this is just a California law, said that uh, within three years, every kindergartner and first grader in the state of California, half of their reading has to be nonfiction, half of it. And, of course, when you hear that uh, and you realize that all of their reading today is fiction, you start thinking, well, don't these lawmakers have something important to do? Why are they doing that? And et cetera, et cetera, and you get all upset. But there was a 28-year-old teacher in San Diego that uh, did read the book and decided to do the opposite, and she made three phone calls. She called the San Diego School District, the San Francisco School District, the L.A. School District. They're all very large. And she asked, he said, you, you've got three years to get 
uh, half of the books those little kids read to be nonfiction. If I provided those books, would you be interested? And they said, yeah, we didn't know how we we're going to do that. It's a law. we got to do it. To make a long story short, Paul, what did she do? She ended up getting uh, getting those companies to underwrite her business and to become guaranteed customers, and she didn't have to go on Shark Tank. Why? Because she was using opposites and hard trends and, and looking at regulations in a different way. So being anticipatory is much more than just hard and soft trends. Actually, um, in the book, and I think, uh, you know, there's an online learning system that I have that is, I'm happy to say, an award winner used by major companies, including the Pentagon, to transform how they plan uh, using hard and soft trends. But there are other elements in it that I want to make sure our people know that is part of this. There's a way to transform how you innovate and develop opportunities, how you can do everyday innovation and exponential innovation with low risk because of those hard trends. And to it is uh, how to transform culture and, uh, and do that by elevating their relevancy based on where the future is going. And there's a way to accelerate results. It really transforms how your results uh, happen by learning how to skip problems so you can move forward faster and many other strategies. So the whole anticipatory framework is, is based on hard trend, soft trend. But as I'm suggesting, there's far more strategies in there than just that. And uh, again, that's why I'm uh, so excited about uh, what this is all doing and what it can do for you. Awesome. You know, Daniel, I'm sure as our listeners are going through this and, and hopefully going to take some time to think about the, the trends that they want to focus on and, uh, and create an action plan around. But, you know, you probably see farther through the, the front windshield because you've been staring out there for a little bit longer than, than most of the listeners. What are, you know, some of the trends, you know, you've had so many historically accurate predictions over the years. What do you think this retail industry might look like in 10 years? Well, the retail industry um, that survives, because there's a lot that you know are going away. Uh, the numbers that faded away in 2017 were huge, and the numbers that are going to fade away in 2018 are going to be huge and so on, because instead of having a future view based on the windshield, they're using the rearview mirror and bailing out. They are not moving fast enough. See that, by the way, let's listen to what I just said there, everyone. You are moving too slow. I'm talking to you now, whoever's listening to us. You think you're moving fast. No, you're moving too slow. This is an exponential change curve we're in. Things are accelerating and you need to spend time thinking about it and taking action. A wait and see approach is not going to work. So as I look 10 years out, it looked that the landscape of retail, oh, there is retail and it's thriving, but they uh, have realized that uh, you can combine technology and humans in a way to create an amazing experience, a whole new type of experience that is not just customized, but better yet personalized for the individual shopper with their permission rather than doing things uh, secretly like we're kind of doing now as we see Facebook and others getting caught up in. We're going to see much more permission-based work as we go forward because of a new focus on gaining trust 
rather than uh, losing trust, because again, that's a key to long-term relationships. So I see uh, we will be looking forward to going to retail wherever we are, because the retailers that survived 10 years from now are going to be not just uh, creating a, a boring, it's the same time, every time you see it, every time you come in, but rather there will be brand consistency based around pleasant surprises and positive changes, changes that keep keep it exciting and getting me to want to go to the store. Boy, I, I can't wait to go and see what they got now. Um, and again, you can change the color of a wall just by a push of a button. You can change the floor just by a push of a button. You can do so many things that we'll be able to do going forward that I see retail thriving and we're going from whether it's groceries to anything else. So will it all be just delivered to us by the giant Amazon? And the answer is a lot of things will be delivered to us. Yes, indeed. But we're going to be going out and shopping as well for many reasons, including the fact that it's a social experience for many. And I don't know about you, but I go to stores where somebody asks me, what am I looking for? And I say, I don't know. I, I'll know it when I see it. Well, I don't browse in online like that. But in a store, I do. If it's a really cool store, and I just was in one not long ago, I was walking around and I ended up buying a whole bunch of things I didn't even know I needed. That's retail at its best. Well, it does paint an exciting picture. It's interesting, the you know, dichotomy of, of the two of, yes, there are going to be, you know, those that, that can't evolve and, and keep up. Um, but it also is an exciting world of opportunities for those that can anticipate the future and react ahead of time. Well, I wonder if. Yeah. And let me just tweak that just a minute. Instead okay. of react, you've, you've heard the word uh, be proactive which is the opposite. It's, it's kind of like the counter to being reactive. But let me give you a new one because proactive, if you really break down to what does it mean? It means taking positive action now. But, but that's kind of like being agile. How do you know it's going to be positive? Well, you have to wait and see. Frankly, that's still got high risk to it. What I'm doing in the anticipatory organization is teaching people how to lower their risk tremendously as they take advantage of disruption and change. In other words, making disruption and change your best friend. So here's the new phrase I want to give you. And that is, I'd like us to be preactive to future known events. So it's not about reactive. It's not about proactive because again, the payoff there has too much risk. I want us to be preactive to future known events. And all of a sudden you'll see yourself doing extremely well. Awesome. You know, as we wrap this up, I, I wonder if there's anything else that you'd like to share that leaders should do now that would help them the most. You know, you've talked about thinking about what the trends are, creating a plan of action around that. Is there anything else that, that leaders should be doing right now to get ready for this? Well, first of all, um, I'm really not telling you to throw out your strategic plan. Because every company has one. Um, the problem is there are elements to it that are becoming irrelevant because every day we've got so much disruption and change taking place. Many of us have created a static plan versus a dynamic plan. What I would like us to do instead is to 
use what I, these hard trends and opportunities and soft trends that we can change if we don't like them and use those to elevate our current plans to increasing relevancy based on the direction the future is going. What I want us to do is not just change, uh, but also to, tr- but really to transform where we're going because the two things are different. Let's face it, uh, change, Barnes and Noble changed how you buy books by putting pianos in there and making superstores. Sony changed how you listen to music. Blockbuster changed how you watch movies. Blackberry changed how you, how you do your email. But on the other hand, Kickstarter transformed startup funding. GPS transformed agriculture, golf, and everything else. Lasers transformed surgery. Tesla transformed the driving experience. And trans, Amazon transformed retail. Apple transformed the phone. My point is, change is not good enough anymore. I would like us to be focusing on transforming with low risk, which is using these hard trends. So the big message I'm getting, giving to leaders now is this is the time to take action, to realize, yes, agility is good. You probably already are fairly agile and you should get better at it. There are things you can't predict. Good. That's why you're agile. But I want you to be focusing on the other side of this coin, anticipating problems before you have them so that you can pre-solve them. Anticipating the disruptions before they disrupt you. Do I want to be disrupted or do I want to be the disruptor? The disrupted or disruptor, you do have a choice. And third, by doing what I'm talking about, you can see these game-changing opportunities before your competitors giving you an advantage. So to do that, again, I would suggest you could, uh, matter of fact, let me give everyone in this room, uh, or everyone that's listening to us in this virtual radio room or this podcast room we have right now, I believe in this book so much, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give every listener a free hardcover copy of this book. You could go to Amazon, buy it if you want it. It's the bestseller there, but here's, here's what you do. I'm going to give you a copy. Now, you're going to have to pay for shipping, and by the way, I'm not making money on the shipping. I just believe that if you got this book, you're going to like it so much, you're going to recommend it to a friend, and I'll end up doing fine. So if you go to this website, the, T-H-E-A-O book, theaobook.com, you can sign up there and get a free copy of the book. Again, got to pay for shipping, but it's only a few bucks. You're going to end up getting it uh, FedEx right to you or UPS right to you, and uh, There you go. So I believe in it so much, I'm going to give you a copy of it. And I'd also suggest you go to burrus.com, B-U-R-R-U-S.com. And there's a lot of great resources on there. And third, my uh, uh, anticipatory organization learning system. It's a video-based learning system. It's a product of the year award winner being used by companies right now that are becoming not not agile anymore. They're shifting over to being much more anticipatory and getting amazing results. You can find more on that by going to our website or by going to um, the uh, anticipatoryorganization.com. And you can find the information on the learning system and our new anticipatory leader system. So I've got plenty of ways that I can help you stay on the journey. uh, And uh, once again, one hour a week, don't forget, you're going to spend the rest of your life in the future. You got to be thinking about it now. Well, that is some great advice, Daniel. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's been really insightful to 
you know, hear this perspective, and uh, we appreciate your time. More than welcome. Thank you. All right. Well, that wraps up this show. Uh, We look forward to seeing you on future episodes. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Rethink Retail. For all the latest news on commerce and trends, join the discussion, rethink.industries slash retail.